Welcome back, my friends, to the MailRite Real Estate Agent Podcast Show. This is episode 126, and we're doing kind of an in-house. We don't have a guest today, so Jonathan and I are going to discuss a conference I just came off um, about 10 minutes ago, which is the state of the industry, the state of the market uh, for 2018, um, as delivered by Brian Buffini of Buffini & Company, using lots of uh, NAR stats and other uh, sources um, for his predictions for 2018. So I'm gonna share those and we'll discuss those. And uh, uh, I I think uh, overall, we'll be looking forward to 2018. So Jonathan, uh, let's tell people how they can get in touch with you and who you are and what you do before we get started here. I'm the founder of MailRiot. We're a platform for helping real estate agents get quality leads with an emphasis on Facebook. And I'm Thomas J. Nelson. I'm a residential realtor here in America's finest city, which is, of course, San Diego, California, uh, where we're heading into an 80-degree December weekend. I love it. This week, uh, we're climbing from the 70s to the 80s. So <laughs> I, I hear some of you are shoveling snow out there. Anyhow, though, now if I could still get a referral out of you after all that cracking, uh, I am never too busy to serve your referrals or to be of service to you as a resource. And you can find me at thomasjnelsonrealtor.com. All right. Well, uh, I attend an annual event uh, via Buffini TV. Uh, and this year it, um, is the annual event is, of course, um, Bold Predictions for 2018, uh, delivered by Brian Buffini, who is the head of Buffini & Company, the coaching company I've belonged to for more or less over 18 years. And he broke it down into the state of the industry, the state of the market, and then uh, more or less uh, your state, uh, your state of mind, and how to approach 2018. So, um, and Jonathan, I'm going to refer to my notes here a lot since I'm literally fresh out of this. So forgive me for looking away periodically. But so more or less what we discussed, first of all, is he... um, where uh, we are actually seeing um, an uptick in uh, licensed agents who are also members of NAR, National Association of Realtors, which makes them a realtor. Unless you're an NAR member, you're not a realtor, as that is a brand and a designation. Um, so in 2013, we were at 1.04 million licensed realtors in the United States. Uh, couple years later we were at 1.17 and oh now there we (laughs) there's people already calling me about this (laughs) it was the it was the 80 degree remark folks (laughs) yeah that's right you know what that call's coming from canada so i think Uh, i'm in, in, in hot water um okay so let's just recap that so in 2013 we were at 1.04 million realtors at 2015, we were at 1.17 million realtors. And in 2017, as of right now, we have 1.3 million realtors. So we are up 7% uh, realtors in, uh, since 2013, uh, which is an interesting stat because um, we were expecting that uptick to be millennials, a, a younger generation coming into the market. Interestingly enough, the average age of the new realtor joining the National Association of Realtors is 51 years of age. And 
Brian was talking about this, um, and part of the result of this is because the millennials are the first generation. Um, first of all, to give you context, um, the millennials are about a 50% larger generation than the baby boomers were. Wow. Yeah. They're, um, which is why we talk about them so much. Um, they, they came up, um, obviously, in different times. They came up in the tech boom. They are not going through life the way uh, you and I went through it as far as um, the average realtor did not hesitate to become a realtor because they had already bought and sold a home or at least bought a home. They've had the experience of going through the purchase of a home. So that kind of gave them the confidence. Well, you know what? Um, and, and I hear this more often than not. Well, my realtor was terrible. And, and, and if that's uh, how that guy can do real estate, I know I can do it better. So I'm going to go get my license. I've heard a lot of people get their license because they couldn't stand the realtor they worked with when they bought their first home. Um, but what Brian was saying was that the reason why the average age is 51 and not uh, 25 or 30 is because um, they're not coming in to run their own business. They're coming in to join teams. So they are coming into the industry, but they're joining already established teams because they're seeking structure and training and they haven't had the experience to buy uh, because they haven't bought their first home yet. Um, some of these millennials are still living at home. These, uh, the other, the interesting numbers that Brian gave, and let me grab them here so I don't misquote them, but I believe it was, um, yeah, so the average millennial income in the United States, again, now it's a little higher in California, but the average income in 2016 for a millennial was $38,000 a year. Uh, unfortunately, the average student debt of that same millennial is $41,000. <laughs> so you can see where they're not in the same position um, that potentially some, somebody from previous generations was in to buy and sell real estate. Um, the other thing that uh, Brian kind of got off on a rant at that point. And before I trail off too much, Jonathan, any comments or questions so far? Let's keep this a conversation. Um, it's, it's interesting about the millennials. I'm not that surprised, really. Um, you, you sense that um, you have a very, how to put this, um, once manipulated isn't the correct word, a very um, interesting, maybe to use the Chinese um, phrase, we've got a very interesting market at the present moment. Um, we're very diverse drivers, haven't we? Yes. There's, um, well, you know, l let's talk about that for a second because the, the, uh, what we're looking at right now is the number of whole homes sold in, say, 2015 was uh, 5.25 million in the United States. That's jumped up to 5.47 million as of 2017, which is a not a staggering uptick, um, but you know it's it's about four percent uh, if I'm doing my math right. Um, so, but the um, number of homes sold predicted for 2018 is going to go up another 3.7 percent, roughly based on uh, the NAR chief economist uh, is uh, Lawrence Yoon, I believe, and these are his stats. 
uh, he's predicting that we're going to see 5.67 million homes sold in 2018. So that is a 3.7% increase. Um, getting back to the millennials, uh, one of the interesting remarks um, Brian made about the millennial uh, factor um, in the university system sp specifically is that he predicted that in the next five years, he's going to see, we're going to see a lot of um, pressure put on the university systems because uh, people of our generation that are running companies are noticing that people coming out of colleges are not actually prepared to join the workforce. They're not being prepared by the universities. The costs are out of control. A lot of millennials are taking a different tact. And this includes my son, by the way. Instead of jumping right into a four-year college, they're doing junior college first or online distance learning to avoid, in some cases, repeating the college and university prerequisites that they've already fulfilled in high school, but do not transfer. And it, it's if you're 18, but a lot of people go to their community college, um, but you've got to really double check and they make it even if you're going to a linked community college um, that's linked to Pacific University, they still make it, they will not give you a cast guarantee that the university course that you're going to join will, there won't be any problems. They, you find it. It's infuriating, really, and very frustrating for a lot of people, Thomas. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I'm, I'm, my son's in his third year of college, and um, so, you know, never more than now have I been in, um, in touch with what's going on with that generation and, and all they have to go through. Um, but the um, sorry to interrupt. I just want to see if you agree with this. But the fundamental we're going on a, a slight tandem here, folks. But we're um, we're coming to the end of the year, so hopefully you've been with us and been listening to our episodes. But so you you'll find this interesting. Um, well, what's happened with universities? If it's very similar to what's happened in Britain, is that a lot of young people feel they have to go on a university degree because without that degree they can't get any kind of job which they would want um it's literally they feel it's not they're choosing that they have almost been corralled into doing it actually thomas yep there's a lot of politics involved in that you're right uh, it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Cause you you're don't really have, in a bad position, yeah, aren't you? You need the pedigree, if you will, of that university, yet um, theoretically, uh, for some at least, they're wasting at least two years of that debt they're going to incur um, where they could have taken care of that at community college or if in some cases uh, some of the levels of high schools these kids are coming out of are doing college level courses. I mean, my son, at some point when he, I, I can remember, um, this is going back to high school, at some point he would come home and ask for help with homework and it was beyond me. I could not help him with his homework. We had to get him a tutor because what they were learning was far beyond what I was learning in high school. So it, it's, I think, the, you know, and, and I, I'm going to shut this tangent down in a second here, but I just think that they're, they're going through more uh, pressure uh, just with the workload and, and the um, level of courses they're taking 
than I did. I know that. Um, well, you know. see, it's actually even worse than that, actually, because um, there's many reports, because I actually, um, in my other business, we do a lot of um, work for educational establishments, actually, um, Thomas. And it's well known that almost 70 of the percent of the jobs that are going to be available in the next 20 years are undescribable at the present moment so um you you can't even do training in the jobs of the future because the jobs of the future aren't even describable at the present moment there's a stat about um the there was two stats thrown around a few years back uh, locally and it was that uh the the kids graduating high school going into college were going to graduate into a workforce where nine of the 10 top 10 jobs didn't exist when they were in high school. Um, This was going back to the late nineties, early two thousands. And then there was another stat that the San Diego university put out uh, SDSU that, that like something like five of their top majors that their graduating class graduates with had no jobs available when they hit the workforce which, I mean, it's just, I, I, I can't imagine the frustration. I mean, I, I can from as a parent, but as, as a student going through that after putting in that amount of time, and then let's not get started on the whole tax reform that just passed. I mean, it's just been nothing but doom and gloom with the students being interviewed this last week. But um, let's jump back over to yeah. the market. Does it, because it will, but it does have some linkage to uh, the theme of our show, folks, because these... Um, economical fundamental drivers will affect the the housing and property market, won't it, Thomas? Absolutely. They're going to affect it as a market and as an industry. So, I mean, this is all, this all ties in. Um, But going back to some key stats, so existing, uh, or I'm sorry, median existing home price by year. In 2014, in the country, the median price was 209,100. And in 2017, it's 245,100. So that's a roughly what about a 16% hike from from uh, yeah, that, 2014. That, that's sustainable, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, the, here's the thing. And here's yeah, sorry. The, here's the th- you know, and and of course, 245,000. Maybe I don't know where uh, in the Midwest or South. That might get you a decent house out here. That gets you a nice car in California. Uh, at two hundred forty-five thousand, you may be buying a studio um, in a not so great neighborhood. Um, let's go into existing home inventory. So, what we're looking at is it's slightly down. You know, obviously we've, we're in an inventory crunch. And we're going to talk about that with more data in a minute. But the existing home inventory between 2016 and 2017 went down about six and a half percent. We were at two million units in t- last year, and we're at about 1.9 million units this year. So about six. What is that? Six and a half percent, roughly. Um, somebody's doing the real math. They're gonna. We're gonna get letters. <laughs> <laughs> Don't send them to me. Thomas is driving this. It's all his fault. No, no. He's been very generous. He's not been that well lately, but um, he still came on the show as a trooper, didn't you, Thomas? Oh, well, thank you, sir. Yeah. Well, and just to clarify, not well in the sense of a 
head cold. Not, yeah. Thank God, n- nothing worse. Um, so housing supply right now, um, just to give you context, is literally about the same as it was in 1994. That's where our supply is. Now, there's one big problem with us having supply equal to 1994. Just a little bit. Um, what, what, in your opinion, what's the biggest problem with that, Jonathan? Well, you know, you know, it's it's going against all the kind of um, 101s of economics. So, you know, normally when you've got enormous demand, normally the market will supply it if you believe, which I want to make, I don't want to go on another tangent. I, I'm just a practical person. I, I believe in you use um, nothing's in concrete, you know, either left, right, medium, as long as it, it's common sense and it works for everybody. That's my position. And it's obviously got a lot of people that do want to buy a house at a reasonable price, but the market for various reasons cannot provide that. Right. Well, and, and more or less, you just hit it on the head because the, the, uh, the obvious problem is, um, and here's the real number, we have 63 more, million more people living in the United States since 1994. So there's your supply and demand issue right there. We, we have fewer homes for more people. Why so, do you, why do, have you got, you know, your, in your particular area, obviously um, there's going to be fundamental regional differences as well. And because right. of this, um, you, you sell your city so well every episode, Thomas. This is why all these people want to move there. But uh, um, in general, have you got any, feelings or insights of why this situation is has occurred yeah it's it's simple uh economics we went through from 2006 to 2011 one of the worst economies and the second largest depreciated market in real estate history and we were already behind in inventory back then what do you think happened to builders during that period of time Exactly. They nothing, nada. So they went out of business, most of them, didn't they? Yeah. So for almost ten years, we continued to fall behind. Um, so we we have not caught up yet. Now, uh, we're single family housing starts in uh, twenty eighteen are predicted to be up by nine uh, nine and a half percent, which is to say that more construction is predicted for 2018, and that is based on the uptick we saw this year especially. I mean, I know in downtown San Diego, there's no less than half a dozen cranes putting up high-rises, um, and I'm getting more and more emails about projects that are being released by developers where they knock down five houses and put up 10 units. Um, uh, unfortunately, normally at the, pr- at the price of the type of people that we described before we went on our little educational rant, though. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's some, most of these are well above the median home um, range, which, you know, in San Diego, we're roughly at about 525,000, which is down slightly um, from the summer, uh, where I think we were closer to 545,000. But we're up from the beginning of the year, where I believe we started out somewhere around five hundred and fifteen thousand. So overall, so, we're up. I just want to put this to you: um, the picture that we've just you've described in these statistics. I want to see if you agree with this. I, I really, on the medium term, which I say is let's say from one to three years, right? 
Um, I really can't see anything changing in um, fundamentally because you've got a great shortage. You've got a great millennium population. Um, what I didn't realise how larger it was than the baby boomers, really. Um, um, so you've got great shortage and you've got a great demand. But in the long term, obviously, this isn't sustainable. Something's going to happen. Um, but in the medium term, I really can't see anything fundamentally changing. Well, and mostly with the supply issue, um, that's true because we, uh, on a 50-year average, we're still a million two hundred thousand units short of what we need to meet current demand, and that's including the slightly lower demand from the millennial generation. Um, but there's still a demand um, that says we're well over a million short in units. Okay, so let's move on to that um, stat. So what the graph we looked at um, during this conference was uh, we were looking at housing demand exceeding supply. And what we saw was that the um, current demand, uh, well, let's start with the demand was trending above supply back in the uh, mid 80s. And then it trended up like a roller coaster, up and down, up and down, all through the 90s. And then we hit the 2000s and we had uh, a series of events like the dot-com crash or the dot-bomb crash, we used to call it. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, great dep de depreciation of the market, our recession. So that kept actually demand low. But then as we came out of that recession uh, and, and investors led that charge starting in around 2006, 2007, that started bringing demand up and demand continued to go up. Um, through roughly uh, 2011 and then it plummeted again and then it started climbing back out of that um, around 2012 2013 and it's been up ever since and ever so so roughly since 2012 demand has been outperforming uh, supply and right now the I'm, I'm looking at the graph and supply is going off kind of on a straight line like a plateau and demand is going almost straight up like a rocket so um but the people in a it's, a it's in a terrible situation because obviously if you're a young couple and you want to you want to buy your first house you're in a terrible situation but unfortunately i just do not have any good news for them because fundamentally you can understand builders you know if they can if they've got a lot of land and they can build a certain type of house and then sell it really quick they're not going to build more affordable housing this is a typical this is a typical situation where if you believe totally in the free market you're deluding yourself this is where um government and or has to intervene but the problem with that is it's interventions um in the property market have also been pretty disastrous. So people who write could be very justified to attack me for that statement. So it's a real mess, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we're seeing first-time buyers in decline. Uh, last year, 34% of our sales were first-time buyers. This year, it, uh, it was 29, so we're down 15% from last year. Uh, and that goes back to the trends we discussed earlier with the millennials and the challenge. 
I know in California, at least, uh, certain size developments uh, come with uh, requirements from this county and the cities that um, a certain amount, a certain percentage of the units are affordable housing. Uh, but you have to be at a, of a certain size before that comes into play. So you're right. Um, so but, what did what did the um, Pete, what did the fantastic Buffini what did he say about this then? This is all right for me, but he's in a much better position. Did he say what he thought in the medium term the market would be? Well, I mean, he did bring up um, you know the theory being well, um, maybe the move up buyer or the retire the the wealthy retiring buyer that's going to move downsize. Um, goes for the newer construction, thus leaving the older inventory available for the generations coming up behind them. Um, we do have an interesting phenomenon going on here in California, which I, I have to imagine may be occurring around the country, and that is the entry-level price. Let's just say between, in, for, for San Diego, that would be between two hundred and fifty and 400000 um, Yeah, I know. <laughs> But um, so what you're saying is the bank of you know for a young couple on that medium um, salary with that kind of student debt, the only way they're going to be able to enter, and it's very similar to the UK actually, folks, is they're going to have to go to the bank of mum and dad to help them out with a massive. There's um, a lot of that. Yeah, there. I am seeing a lot of that. Or mom and dad are are, are investing their 401k into their kids' home for them. <laughs> but but you're seeing. You know, on the, on the on the entry level pricing in homes, you're seeing three people competing that historically weren't before. But you have first time buyers competing with investors who are competing with retirees or second home buyers that are maybe. Uh, I'm selling a lot of second homes to people planning their retirement in the next anywhere mm. from three to five years, where San Diego is going to be either their permanent resident or their uh, snowbird resident. They're going to leave the cold and come here for six months and then return to wherever home is, uh, which is for me, typically the Pacific Northwest and Canada um, and a few from the East coast that do that. Um, so that's what's, what's kind of driving uh, I think a lot of the first time buyer home ownership down because they can't compete with the all cash factor of retirees and investors. So where's all this going, Thomas? Well, I think we'll find out after we come back from commercial. It's about that time. <laughs> yeah, let's go for a quick commercial and then um, we'll finish off with um, what Thomas thinks, how this market's going and what's going to happen. He's going to look into his crystal ball. We'll be, <laughs> back in a, <laughs> we'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. We're coming back. We're crystal ball gazing here. We've had a, I think we've had a pretty good chat. Hopefully, you haven't bored you. Oh, I find I can talk about this stuff all day, really. Uh, um, back to Thomas. Okay, well, I'll rapid fire some facts for you. So, the crystal oh, ball, facts. Uh, more facts. <laughs> yeah, um, the, these uh, came from Brian Buffini, but the sources are 
largely NAR, National Association of Realtors. So uh, the GDP forecast after two consecutive quarters of 3% growth um, this year, uh, we're going to see finish uh, 2017 at about 2.2% up. Uh, projection for 2018 is 2.7% overall growth. So that's good news. Uh, state of the market mortgage interest rates forecast. Current interest rate is about 3.94%. We're projected to finish 2018 at about 4.5%. So it is going to go up, but still at a very good rate. And just to give you context on 4.5% before people start freaking out about 4.5%. In 1989, if you were going to get a loan, you were going to pay 10.3%, folks. In 2007, uh, when I bought my last investment property with a loan, um, I was paying almost 7% interest. The average was 6.3. I paid a little more because it was a second home. We're currently um, heading into, uh, I'm sorry, heading into next year at uh, 4.5. If it's got a four in front of it, folks, it's pretty damn good rate. <laughs> so not, not a time to freak out, but it is a time uh, for you realtors out there to be uh, banging the drum now to all your buyers that have been sitting on the fence or wondering what to do, uh, I would get them off the fence and start taking advantage of it because uh, jumping from 3.9 to 4.5 um, is a two $300 a month in payment. And that makes a big difference to your first time buyers. Yeah. Another factor, I don't know if Pathini is, you know, you had a lot of, um, VCs, um, a lot of financial institutions go into buying large amounts of residential property, which they've never done. Right. Which they decided it was. Was there anything you know? Um, them, you know, the these people look at their figures co constantly. Do you think there there could be any temptation to unload? their portfolio in a market at the present moment if they feel that they could invest that money or do you think they've decided that they're going to be in long-term residential uh, management really long-term? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I, you know, I, I, all I can answer is from my point of view and, and real estate's a long-term investment. Yeah, it? For, for you, yeah. yeah. But uh, historically, yeah. these you know, it was the first time they went into it in a big way. They looked at the figures and they thought, "This we can't pass on this. And it's proven, they were proven right, weren't they? Um, it's, you know, the returns, because the market recovered, the returns, you know, if, if they, but it, they can only get those returns if they decide to um, diminish their portfolio and, and pay out, you know, buy out basically, you know, sell, sell basically, you know. Well, I think until something comes along that's a proven better investment than real estate, the, the smart money stays in real estate because real estate has been the best investment over the last hundred years uh, compared to the stock market. So, well, long term, but they'll probably yeah. be looking at the, you know, the kind of um, increases in the stock market and their natural is their natural territory wasn't it um but who knows yep i couldn't speculate um no. all right let's talk about some quick comparison economic factors um so single family home prices in 2016 were averaging uh, as median and when i say median that means that uh, half were selling less than that half were selling more than that 
across the country as a whole. Again, you you have to almost uh, double, well, definitely double that and, and then some in San Diego. But we're talking national numbers. So in 2016, 236,000, uh, it's down to 232, uh, I'm sorry, uh, um, let me scratch that. In 2006, it was 232,000. In 2016, up to 236,000. So not a huge uptick um, in, in a 10-year span. Unemployment rate in, 20, in 2006, 4.6%. Unemployment rate in 2016, 4.9%. So it was actually higher last year, yet in, tw in 2006, we're all freaking out. And last year, I don't really remember anyone really freaking out much about unemployment. I think we were talking about how great it was that it was coming down. Um, home sales, uh, 6.6 .6 million um, homes were sold in two 2006. 5.3 million were sold last year. So less were being sold Yet, I don't know about everyone else out there, but I had a better year in 2016 than I did in 2006. Uh, month supply. Uh, in 2006, we had 6.4 months supply across the country. Um, and I'm going to explain that in a second. Um, in 2016, we had 4.2 months supply. And I can tell you in San Diego right now, we have less than two months supply. And what that means is that if we were to stop putting homes on the market today, in four months and two weeks, uh, essentially, we would run out of inventory. Uh, and, and what's a balanced market? About six months supply. So if you have more than six months supply, it tends to be a buyer's market. Less than six months supply, it tends to be a seller's market. But what I'm noticing today, this in this fourth quarter of 2017, you still have to be priced right. You can't shoot for the moon. Um, Buyers are more savvy than they've ever been, and they're not going to overpay unless they're really fighting tooth and nail um, for a home that they see value in and there's multiple offers. Distressed sales in 2006, 2.6%. Distressed sales last year, 5.4%. So we actually had more distressed sales 10 years later, but 5% 5, 5 distressed sales in a year is about average. Um, you know, stuff happens. Um, so and, and again, if you think about distressed sales starting to hit the market in 06, heading into 07, people were freaking out about short sales. We had twice as many basically last year, and people were asking about distressed properties, and I couldn't find one to talk about in our market. And then the last stat I'll share with you is home flipping. Home flipping was at 8.6% in 2006. It's down to about 5. Uh, well, five five percent even you know, as of last year, um, and I think that has a lot to do with just the fact that the ROI isn't there uh, in 2016. You're you're paying premium yeah. for, for a lot of these prices. So I just want to kind of wrap it up, really. Um, yeah. I just want to give you my take on this. I think housing doesn't live in a vacuum. It it's it's a major part of the economic system and driver. And aspirations of normal people. Um, I think because of the fiscal policies of the Federal Bank and and the past administration and the present administration, 
I think a lot of liquidity is going to be invested and available in the property market for the next two to three years. I personally feel that this, you know, the statistics that you've gone through actually in a, a, a slightly more medium, longer term, draw a really quite ugly picture of a market that's very um, unbalanced. But for the next two to three years, actually, um, unless something really out of my um, capacity or yours, I really see the market even getting more hotter. I know it's crazy. Um, I, I really think there's such a ton of money being thrown at the property market with a smaller, smaller um, poor properties that can absorb all that liquidity that um, I just see things getting hotter. Well, um, yeah, I'll agree with you on the hotter part. Um, I'm going to uh, take the detour from uh, the negativity of it, though. I see um, 2018's market is fertile ground. That's how I'm seeing it. And to quote Brian, um, I'll just give you the quick surmise of next year's market. Transactions are going to be up. And we saw that in the stats. The GDP is going to be up. That's good for us. Interest rates are going to be up, but they're not going to uh, really be up too much. Um, first time buyers are going to be down because that's going to continue. So the transactions and the, um, the part of what you're discussing, Jonathan, uh, that will show up in the first time buyers, um, that, that'll have an effect on them. But we are historically heading into the third best real estate market in history uh, next year, which is the good news um, based on these factors. Um, so, and cause here's the difference um, that I'm going to, uh, from my own point of view is where we had this huge boom in, you know, well from 2000, they got us to about 06 when the floor dropped out, there was no huge boom this time. We got there slow and steady since 2011. We have not been in leaps and bounds. It may have that appearance because of the way the media reports on it, but as someone that's been in the trenches every day for the last 18 years, which is to say coming out of that depressed market and coming back to where we are today, it has been slow and steady. And it is a grind to get a loan approval. They are not just handing them out like they were back in 2005. Um, that's my take on it. Well, yeah, I totally, uh, I totally, because you know, I'm not going to refute your, um, you know, it's just common sense. Everything you said, I would agree with. But I have great concerns when a market really doesn't make funds. You know, I was going to say it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense because you've given all the figures, and we've had this discussion, and there's an enormous shortage of property. And you have two groups that can get finance, investors and those that are downsizing or looking to buy a second house, linked to your Pacific area. And they are the drivers where you, the, um, but that is producing a very unbalanced market. But it doesn't matter because the bigger driver, the fiscal driver um, of a lot of discounted printed money is just pouring into property, pour, pouring into shares, pouring into fine arts, wine, cars, and is pouring into property. And I see no that 
um, trajectory, I don't see that changing in the next two to three years. And because of other external issues, I can only see it accelerating. So I think for the next two to three years, uh, I think if you're an effective real estate agent, you're going to have a great time um, if you can deal with the stress. Uh, um, After that, uh, I'm a little bit worried about where all this is going to go. But, you know, who knows? All right. Well, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm only going to stick my neck out for next year. Well, this time next year, we'll, we'll talk about 2019 and yeah. we'll take it a year at a time. <laughs> right. I don't think it's time to wrap this up, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's Mr. Time. Gloom, Mr. Gloom. Yeah. Is so good, you know. I, I will just repeat. So we end on a positive note yeah. that um, per Brian Buffini, we're looking at fertile ground for 2018. Yeah, um, I, I, I totally agree with that. He could not stress more though. And I'm a firm believer in this uh, as a working by referral agent that um, the quality of the leads are going down. And so it, you need to diversify your pipelines. You, you can't solely rely on buying leads. You have to get out there um, and create relationships that create pipelines um, and reciprocity so that you can grow and you grow the people around you. Um, that's my take and I'll just take the opportunity to sign off now and toss it over to you, Jonathan, um, Thomas J. Nelson. I'm with big block realty here in San Diego, California. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Thomas J. Nelson, realtor.com. And, uh, Jonathan, I'll toss it over to you to close us out. All right. Thanks. Hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation. It was a little bit different. We thought we would have to discuss the Buffini presentation because he produces such a load of quality facts and information. And he also had to put up with my gloom. But um, there we go. Um, I'm always going to try and tell it straight to you. um, And hopefully you found the episode interesting and give us some feedback. And we'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.